Good morning. Very good to be with you. Here for the practice of being aware of awareness. Where what we do is open to any conception of doing and see if we can just shift into letting that be. In other words, we get in touch with the being that doesn't need any doing by whatever this sense of a separate self is. So one of the most direct ways to get in touch with that is just to let the, the body sense what it senses, just kind of tune into perceptions, the feel of the back against whatever's leaning against, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, whatever you may or may not be touching. We can notice the sense of touch perceives not only what is being touched, but if nothing's being touched, the absence of touch. So we just notice senses are fully functional. Perception is happening. There's nothing we need do or not do. It just is what is. And it's as if there's a space kind of behind that perceptual window that touches into this background of awareness, it just is. And we can notice that oftentimes mind has something to say. We spent last week looking at the self-reflective nature of mind. Consciousness is just inherently reflective. Our thoughts about sensations, thoughts about perceptions, and then thoughts about the thoughts.
is it available to notice that the thoughts about the thoughts aren't being done by a doer? They're being seen by awareness. One of the quotes that uh, still kind of reverberates around in this reflective nature of mind for me is peace is a flow which makes no demands. Peace just keeps piecing. As the diversity and multiplicity of objects populate consciousness, our awareness, and then dissolve back out. And peace makes no demands, while mind is one constant string of demands in the forms of commentary and judgment, emotionalized perception, ongoing linear content rendered in mind, expressed as images, feelings, thoughts, words. And those sensations, images, thoughts, and words are an overlay on reality. Peace, on the other hand, is the reality which says it is as it is. There are no demands that it be different. It's just a very deep acceptance. Accepting everything as it is, without interference, until it reaches its natural end.
And because peace is a flow that makes no demands, peace is inherently restful. So for me, the, the contrast between the movement of mind and the deep stillness of peace allows attention to not only notice the movement of mind, but in a sense, relax around it. Be at peace as the larger space in which the movement of mind moves but does not disturb the peace in which it arises. Reminds me what David Hemphill pointed to in his satsang interview, which is there's plenty of room here, plenty of room for all of it. Peace allows everything to be as it is. Peace just watches and allows.
peace is a flow which makes no demands. But we can notice that peace doesn't ignore and peace doesn't deny. There's a very alert watching in peace. And a very alert presence in the in the allowing, allowing the sounds, allowing when the sounds fall away. Allowing whatever feelings come or sensations in the body, equally allowing when they fall away, regardless of whether we would prefer or not prefer, the preference mechanism is held lightly. It certainly still runs. But since peace is a flow which makes no demands, There's no demand or request or requirement that that preference mechanism not be present. Which just allows a continual falling back into, into being. Being has no conditions. Being is a flow which makes no demands. It just is.
so we can check and see if the sound of the train provokes peace to make a demand that it either continue or stop. We can confirm that peace is this equanimous presence, ongoingly present, constant. Perhaps uh, we can bring to mind our spiritual aspiration and contemplate if peace is an integral part of what our spiritual life aspires to.
So oftentimes for me, there comes a point in the meditation where um, mind is just very subtly reconstituting a sense of a separate self. A me that's either um, not getting it, not doing it right, not quite it, or a me that's you know, definitely getting it right on, finally, whether it's kind of like an odd pride or a kind of subtle blame or shame, there's a sense of a me that just creeps back in. So maybe we just check to see there's a sense of, of somebody, of a you that's meditating, that's either meditating well or not meditating well at all this is this is what you hoped for as an experience or it's, it's disappointing as an experience and, and it doesn't matter which version is playing it, it points us to an area for inquiry 
Who is it that's meditating? Is there a sense of me, a separate sense of a, a person? And when that's discovered, maybe get a sense of where it is in the body. Like I, I've never had this sense of me in my down in my right knee. It's always kind of in my chest or my throat or my gut. Helen Hamilton calls it an energetic mass. And so we're not pretending like it's not here. Um, that wouldn't be peace. That'd be making a demand that things were different than they are. Peace just says, yep, here it is. And it may be subtle, but we're willing to see it and perhaps even more importantly, feel it. If there's a heaviness to it. There's a tightness. There's a sense of something's not free. So the first thing I do is acknowledge it and uh, really do my best to allow it, to allow the sensations, the feeling. The sense of a, a separate self, a me, a person, an independent entity. And, you know, perhaps some inquiry, like, what is this relative sense of self? What does it feel like? What is the narrative that plays? What are the sensations that fire and wire when there's a sense of a me? And can you see in, in, in your mind's eye that there's like a, a, a patterning to the energy in the body? It's encoded with this me conclusion. This, this identity of a self. And then once we kind of have a sense of it, and once we've, you know, honestly allowed it, which includes noticing if there's any resistance that just wishes it would be gone already, 
this desire that it be different. Because that's an even deeper sense of a self. That's a sense of a self that's threatened by a sense of a self. So we really want to investigate whether that's one of the ways this programming is fed by resisting that it's even here in the first place. I certainly can't let go of something I don't see. And I'm not going to see something that I'm fundamentally unwilling to feel, to face, to focus on, and, and just to forgive, just to be with. Often for people, meditation can become a really covert pushing away of, of the feelings and the sense of things that are here. But that's just a deeply embedded fixation of the mind on a certain energetic patterning. And we can loosen it by being willing to feel it, by granting it the right to be. The spiritual ego doesn't get anything out of granting it the right to be. But something gets relieved, relieved of its, of its covert job of pushing against what is. When we can just take a deep breath and acknowledge there's a separate sense of self playing right now. And in some respects, we're looking at it but to truly allow it to be. For me, there's a invitation to acknowledge that there's a whole bunch of energy that's looking from it. That really has the sense of being separate, a person in a world, a me. Can we let that be? Can we let that be as it is without interference until it reaches its natural end? Or does something still energetically feel compelled to resist it? And if we can see that, can we let that be as it is? without interference until that compulsion to resist what is reaches its natural end. We just lay it down and get very, very hum humble 
about these layers and intricacies and significances of the mind that play. And when we stop pushing against anything, the anything no longer has to push back, be energized by our resistance. It's free to express how it is to express for as long as it's to express. Oftentimes for me, this allows me to get in touch with maybe a deeper mood or emotion that's, that's being masked by this apparent clash of wills. And there's often like a deeper kind of grief or sadness or melancholy, disappointment. And under that's often a, a notion of, of, of self-blame. Ridicule even like some sense of you'll never get this, you'll never be right, or this is impossible, or you're a fake or a failure. All of those energies seem to just play and lurk. So the invitation is to acknowledge what we find. to watch and allow. And we kind of rest in the, in the trust of what Ramana Maharshi says. All there is, is the self. When limited, it is the ego. When unlimited, it is the absolute. And we're told to, to get back to the truth of what we are, the absolute. 
we meet the relative sense of self. A limited expression of self. With honesty, earnestness, and compassion. We allow its expression simply because it's here. Because even while the limited sense of self plays, and there may still be a fixation of attention to go to it, we aren't looking from there when we're with it. We are looking at it from peace, because peace is a flow which makes no demands that anything be different than it is for as long as it is without interference until it reaches its natural end. So the freedom inherent in that very simple natural inner posture is that we cease to be divided internally from what is already playing internally. So the way out is always through, always back in, going back the way we came. Simply present to what is, honoring what is. as the gift that it is. As every experience, all of the temporary allows us the opportunity to confirm what sees it, the constant in which it plays. reality, 
the real, the unaffected.
so the inquiry that arises is to whom do these sounds arise? By what are they heard? What is that? Which is alert and aware of the myriad sounds. What is it that hears mind either label them or fall silent without labels? What is it that knows that? And can we, while acknowledging that there's certainly a knowing of sounds, can we actually locate the knower? This separate entity that's presumed to be here. Can we find that one? Can we, can we find a sense of something that claims the knowing? Or upon investigation, do we find this open, luminous, radiant, alert, spaciousness in which knowing arises. What if this, this burden of a separate self, this spiritual mountain that many imagine must be climbed, what, it is, what if it's simply the edifice of thought, of past believing? Mm -hmm. 
what if when we undertake earnest inquiry, we discover and rediscover and rediscover that we've never found this separate me. <clears throat> and what if what we find in its place is is trust a flow which makes no demands always feels ironic that a prerequisite to the direct experience of it not being here is the allowing of it to be here when it is. So perhaps irony is the cousin of paradox, something both true and not true, right next to each other. But what if there's no figuring out or choosing required? What if there's only a ever-present invitation to knowingly be the peace that we are, our true nature. God's being reflecting through this body-mind organism.
that includes our hour.